on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You are listening to The Jan Price Show, and my guest today is actually legendary actor Jonathan Hayes. Uh, although he may not be a household name, you will know the movies he's been in. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Nice to have Hi, you. Hi, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. What's going on? <laughs> well, we're going to have some fun today. I am very excited about having you on the show. Um, you, literally, you've had such an amazing career. Uh, and you've, you've got lots of showbiz ties. Uh, right. You're, and more than that, I've had an amazing life. Yes, aside you have. career. You have. And do you mind telling our audience how old you are? I'm 90 years old as of April 1st. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And still going strong. Trying to go strong. <laughs> well, you're, you're, yeah, I know you're still working, and and that's amazing, and just in, in itself. So I'm, I, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Tell me a little bit about how you became an actor. What what drove you to become an actor? Well, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I was born and and raised, and uh, I got involved with the Pittsburgh Playhouse which was the local uh, theater group there, and did a couple of plays which were really interesting to me. And I, I, I just liked that atmosphere. Plus, I was Buddy Rich's cousin, you know, the right. famous drummer. Right, right. And Buddy used to come to Pittsburgh and play the theaters there with, with uh, Tommy Dorsey's band or with Artie Shaw's band or somebody's big band. And uh, I would go visit him and go backstage. And they say once you once you bump into a piece of scenery and get that little bit of stage pain on you, that you're hooked for life. So I guess that's what happened to me. <laughs> It certainly did. Well, you, I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did. You I also, am too. You, you know, you also what fascinating, and I do want really to talk about this. You were the stage manager for Josephine Baker. I mean, tell me a little yes. bit about working with her because she's, I mean, the legendary Josephine Baker, the amazing Josephine. Josephine was amazing and talented and brilliant. Yes. And at that point, she was pretty old and was working her ass off. I mean, uh, how I got involved was I was touring with Buddy Rich's band. I was working as his road manager and friend, and I carried his wallet and his blackjack. And uh, and uh, Buddy got booked into the uh, Strand Theater in New York with Josephine Baker, who we had never heard of, any of us. Really? Wow. And uh, we, we played two weeks at the Strand Theater that there were lines around the block, completely around the block. And we were doing seven or eight shows a day, Buddy Rich and Josephine Baker, and it was it was a big smash. And at that point, Ned Schuyler decided to, he had brought her to America. She she had not been in this country for many years. And Ned Schuyler owned a club in Havana at that point, and one in Miami. And he booked her into his club in Havana, and she was so great and such a smash that he decided to book her into Miami. And uh, when she found out that she was playing in a club in Miami that didn't allow black people into the club, I turned it on so I could hear. She refused to go to Miami, and mm-hmm. Ned Schuyler. Uh, 
promised her that he would open the club for black people to be in the audience. And she agreed to, to play Miami. And uh, all the stars would go to see her. Joe Lewis and Sugar Ray Robinson and all those kind of people. I don't think the average black guy on the street went to see her. But Ned decided to, to book her on a tour of the United States. And the first show was The Strand in New York. And somehow Buddy Rich got booked also. And it was a great show. She she just loved his drumming and his how he drove her show with his rhythms and stuff. And so Ned Schuyler offered Buddy the job to be her musical director. And so I went on tour with Buddy Rich and Josephine Baker. Wow. Wow. How exciting. And it was amazing. It was truly amazing. I can only imagine. Every place we played, big stars would come to see her and come backstage. And, of course, I was very flashed by it. Uh, I was a young guy and on tour with Buddy Rich and going all over the country and all that kind of stuff. So at that point, I wasn't really thinking about acting. But um, we did two tours, and then the the second tour ended in New York. And I decided to do a summer of summer stock. And I went to Norwich, Connecticut. And I was uh, an uh, an acting, what do you call it, uh, apprentice Mm -hmm. at the Norwich Summer Theater in Norwich, Connecticut. And uh, we did 10 uh, plays, uh, all with stars that they brought in from New York. And it was really exciting and wonderful. And uh, when that ended, I decided to go to New York and, and try to be an actor, which was pretty tough. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of actors on Broadway looking for, for roles and trying to get work and all that stuff. And uh, I spent a lot of time on auditions and trying out for stuff. And I did a couple of little theater productions. And then I... I, I I decided that acting was really not for me, and I wanted to be in the production end of the business. And uh, there was a lot of talk about Los Angeles being coming the center of television, and live television was really hot right then. And I, I had, on the two tours with Josephine Baker, been to Hollywood twice, to California, Los Angeles twice, and I had a couple of cousins that were working in the movie industry. One was an agent and one was a, an editor. And they said, oh, you should move to California. We'll help you get work and everything will be great and blah, blah. So when the two tours ended and I decided to come to California and try to get into the production end of the business. And uh, my two cousins were kind of a flop in trying to help me get started. The one that was an agent didn't do anything. The one that was an editor decided offered me that he would get me in the union as an apprentice editor. So I went and visited him in the editing room several times. And my goodness, there were these assistants that were working like crazy, rolling up film 10 hours a day and running errands and doing nothing exciting. So I decided that wasn't the thing. So I said, oh, okay, I'll try being an actor. And uh, somehow I was living two blocks from Schwab's drugstore. Uh, and uh, that's where all the actors were hanging out in those days. It was like a big club for actors. And uh, I was there and I met a lot of actors and a lot of people. And it was great. 
there were always beautiful girls around, and there were all kinds of interesting people. Well, isn't that where Lana Turner was discovered, at Schwab's? That's what they say. There were a lot of people discovered there, and at the time that I was going there, there were all kinds of stars and people in the business, and Schwab's was, was, was very welcoming to all people in the business. They'd let you sit there and drink a cup of coffee for six hours and read their magazines and look at their trade papers. And uh, they were happy to have actors there because it brought the tourists there. That's so, that, good, good marketing. Good marketing. <laughs> that's right. It was great. They were smart <laughs> to do oh, that. Yeah. And it was interesting. I mean, there were ter- terrific people there. I mean, uh, I don't know. At any rate, I met a guy there named Barney Ordung, Wyatt Ordung. And uh, we talked and everything. And then I suddenly, I, I got bored. So I got a job in a gasoline station at night so I'd have something to do with myself. And Wyatt Ordung used to come in the gas station and we'd talk. And he, he told me about he was writing a picture for Roger Corman, who was just getting started in the business as a producer and director. And uh, he said, if you want to, I'll get you an interview with Roger Corman and maybe you could be in my movie. So I said, "Okay." I took everything with a grain of salt in those days anyway. I believed everybody in their lies that they told me. So he did get me an, an, an interview with Roger Corman. And I walked in. Roger had an office above the Cock and Bull restaurant on the Sunset Strip. And there were... A, a, a group of offices. He had rented a teeny office. It was hardly big enough for a desk. And there was Roger sitting there. And uh, I came in and we talked and he liked me. And he said, well, listen, I'm doing this movie with Wyatt Ordung. It, it's called Monster from the Ocean Floor. I've got a part of a Mexican deep sea diver. Can you play a Mexican? I said, sure, I can play anything. So he hired me to play the Mexican in Little Shop of Horrors, and that was my start as an actor in the movie business. Oh no, so, he, he, it wasn't Little Shop of Horrors; it was uh, the other one. The, the it was Monster from the Ocean from floor. the Ocean Floor. But then uh, I can't tell you how many people since we, this since I've been doing this show have started their careers with Roger Corman. I mean, he has launched so many. Uh, actors and actresses, uh, it, it just blows me away. But also, of course, he launched Jack Nicholson, no. and that's when you got into Little Shop of Horrors. you want to tell, tell us a little bit about that, about how you – I mean, you did quite a few other things with him prior to Shop of Horrors. Right, Little I Shop did other things with him, and I also worked in production with him. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would work for him as a, like a production, production assistant or something. And uh, I'd be on the set all day long, every day on his little pictures. I mean, in the beginning, they were only, I think, six day schedules for an entire movie, six days. And uh, so everybody pitched in and did everything. And Roger and I were pretty good friends at that point. And uh, interesting about Little Shop of Horrors, I had introduced Roger to Dick Miller, who was a good friend of mine. And uh, Roger liked Dick, and they worked together, too. And Dick and I did a lot of movies with Roger. So uh, Chuck Griffith, who I introduced to Roger and was writing movies for him, uh, 
uh, he, uh, Roger hired him to write a, a comedy. Roger had this idea that he was going to do comedies. And so he wrote a picture for Dick Miller called Bucket of Blood, which was a big smash as a comedy horror film. And uh, then after that, uh, Roger had Ch uh, Chuck Griffiths write another horror film, which is to be the second one in his horror comedy series. And uh, for some reason... Dick Miller didn't want to do it. He said, no, it's too much like the bucket of blood. I don't want to do the same character again. So Roger was stuck, and he, he called me, and he said, listen, can you play this part in Little Shop of Horrors? I said, I don't know. Let me read it. So I read it, and I, I saw a great humor in it. Chuck Griffith was a very funny guy and a great writer. So I agreed to do it. I agreed to do it two weeks before the picture went into production. Wow. So... So I, I spent the two weeks trying to learn it and get everything down and figure out what I wanted to do with the character because it's really hard to, to figure you're going to play a, uh, a lead character in a movie that, that kills people and feeds them to a plant. <laughs> I mean, how do, how do you approach that kind of a character, you know? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Plus, plus I was not funny looking, you know? Uh, I was kind of a handsome-looking young guy. So I, it was really interesting to try to, to make that character work. Well, you so, made it work. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I decided that the only way I could make it work was to play him stupid and naive. And that's what I did. I just was very naive and very stupid, and it, it worked. It, so it did. Everybody loved the movie, and... Uh, we went on from there. So tell and you know that the movie is still popular today. Oh my gosh! I still get I still get fan mail from that movie, which was made fifty years ago. Yes, yes. So or more, more, more than fifty years ago, almost sixty years ago. Tell yeah. tell our audience um, who you played in Little Shop of Horrors. Well, I played a character named Seymour Krellboy, who was a. Uh, 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 sort of a runabout and worker for a flower shop on Skid Row. And the, the flower shop was owned by a character called Gravis Mushnet, who was played by Mel Wells, who was an old friend of mine and who was great in it. So, And Chuck Griffith, who wrote it, also has a little part in it. He's the gangster that comes in to hold up the flower shop, and I talk him into that the money is inside the, the, the plant. So he he goes and reaches in the plant to get the money, and the plant eats him. Yeah. So that was Chuck Griffith. Who was very, Chuck's grandmother was Mert from Merton Marge, if you know what that was. No, I don't. It was a very famous radio show back before television, before anything. Merton Marge was the first radio show that ever shot on location. So Mert was a big, big star, and she was Chuck Griffith's grandmother. And she plays my mother in Little Shop of Horrors. The little old drunk lady was Mert, Myrtle Vale wow. from Mert wow. and Marge. It's amazing. Marge was Chuck's mother. So they were very interesting people. Full circle so. moments, full circle moments. If you are just tuning in, um, you're tuning into the Jam Price Show all about movies. And my guest today is legendary character actor Jonathan Hayes. And we're talking about Little Shop of Horrors and uh, his... Uh, 
the, the role, his break, really true breakout role in Little Shop of Horrors. So tell us a little bit more about uh, the, filming that, because Jack Nicholson, it made him famous from uh, right. this movie. So what was it like working with an unknown Jack Nicholson at that time? Well, we were all friends. I knew Jack Nicholson from Schwab's Drugstore. We used to sit there and had drink some coffee and throw funny lines back and forth. And I never thought of him as being that comical an actor. At, and it, but somehow he and Roger were in an acting class together, I think. And uh, Roger put him in the movie as as this funny guy that comes into the dentist's office and i'm i've killed the dentist and (laughs) and i've put his white coat on and and uh jack is playing a masochist who comes there to feel pain and he comes into the dentist's office and i start drilling on him with the drill and he's loving it and it was a hysterical scene Mm -hmm. and that was the only scene jack had in the movie one one scene and he was great so that was Jack Nicholson's beginning in the movie. Amazing. And he went on The to... other terrific actor in the movie was uh, Jackie Joseph, who still works and who is a wonderful lady, a beautiful, talented singer, dancer, musical star. So uh, Jackie and I are still friends. I talk to her every once in a while. Oh, I had and- Go ahead. I had the pleasure yes. of meeting Jackie Joseph. She was here for Doris Day's um, birthday bash, and she was one of the many guests uh, for a two-night. It was a two-night birthday bash, actually, mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity to meet her. She is hysterical, absolutely hysterical. I uh, We talked, and I definitely want to get her on the show. Uh, she was going off to Europe, so hopefully we can get her on the show because uh, she just blew me away with her energy and her humor and she just lit up the stage uh, for Doris Day and then, you know, sadly Doris died not long after that. So it was They were good friends. Yes, they were because she was on the Doris Day show. Right. Together, yeah. So So, you've had quite a... What was it like working with Roger? I mean, Roger Corman is obviously legendary and uh, what was it like working with him? Because it was still early part of his career when you were working with him, wasn't it? Right, right. It was really interesting interesting to meet Roger because Roger had just gone to college at Stanford University, I think, and was just new to the business. And uh, he was very naive about people and the business and all that. Uh, But he was very ambitious and really, really worked hard to, to become a success. So, Roger was great. And Roger, I think I did, I don't know, 10 or 15 pictures with Roger. And we were good friends. So I enjoyed working with him. The other thing about Roger, not only did he give a lot of people their first shots in the business, but he gave them great freedom to do what they wanted to do creatively, which was good. That is good. I mean, that is good. Because new directors somehow want to put too much of themselves onto the performances and roger let you create your own performance he would say if he liked it or didn't like it but he didn't give you the performance and that's you know? the art of a good director i believe when they allow the actor to uh formulate and create uh the character and you're right they should tell you whether they like it or don't like it but there are you know we hear about directors where they micromanage 
the right, uh, actor true. and uh, and the whole situation. And I think that would be more difficult because you know, obviously acting is creative, and you want to create that character and be able to have that freedom and flexibility to do that. So Roger, that's why he launched so many uh, wonderful actors' careers because oh, yeah. he allowed them that spirit and freedom to create uh, and and develop their acting skills. You know, he gave them that right. space to you know it was like. It was like an actor's studio to work with Roger Corman, it sounds like, you know, back in the day. It was. And a lot of us knew each other. All, a lot of the actors that worked for Roger knew each other because he used us over and over again. If he liked you, he would use you again and again. And that's smart, yeah. too, because he has a team of actors that he knows that how they work and how well he works with them and what their style is. So that's also was very, very smart of him to create a cadre of uh, fellow actors that he liked working with. Yeah, well, they've in, in, in later years called it the Roger Corman Stock Company, but there was never an organized <laughs> stock company. I mean, he just used people that had worked for him before that did good jobs that he would let do it again. And plus he, he had Chuck Griffith write parts for a lot of, of, of us. In other words, he would tell him, Oh, write a part for him, write a part for them. And then we would all get together. And it was like really a, a fun kind of stock company, honestly. Uh, Yeah, I think it would be making going to the set every day a lot of fun because you're just meeting up with your friends and going to play. Oh, right. Plus, Roger used a lot of stars that were on their way up and stars that were on their way down. Yes, I was going to ask you about that because you worked with Boris uh, Boris Karloff. uh, I worked with Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre. And uh, who else was there around that period? Oh, God, I can't think of all the... The people, Dorothy Malone did a part in a, a Western that I did with Roger, and she was great. And, uh, and, uh, Roger was, was wonderful. On, on Little Shop of Horrors, I knew if I had done a good scene because I'd look over and if Roger was laughing, I knew it was funny. <laughs> That's great. You know, get that kind of confirmation from your director for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> for so, sure. Well, you did. So, you, let's see. You, you, so after that, I mean, you worked with him for how many? You did, you did quite a few movies with Roger Corman. But then you went off and did some things on your own. You worked with um, uh, Irvin Kirshner. Right. On right, Stakeout on Dope Street. Tell me a little bit about that. That was the well, first film that you actually starred in, correct? Well, I got star building on it, yes, uh, along with, with two other unknown actors. Uh, well, actually, I believe Roger was involved in, in Little Shop of Horrors. No, not Little Shop of Horrors. They got on Dope Street. I think he had, he had put money into it or he had advised the, the two guys that were doing it. Uh, and he recommended Dick Miller and me for two of the roles in the movie. The other uh, boy in the movie was Yale Wexler, who was Haskell Wexler's oh, yes, yes. brother. And, uh, and Haskell was kind of the invisible cameraman on that movie because 
He was a union member, and the movie was being shot non-union. Jonathan, I hate to interrupt you, but our time is over. I hate to say it. You've been such a fascinating guest. I I really appreciate you being on the show. I have to have you back. Oh, my. That 25 minutes went by so quickly that I... I hardly noticed. I know, isn't it? <laughs> well, you were great, a great guest, and I love your stories, and we'll definitely have you back. So if you're just... Oh, please. Too, I definitely thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for being interested in me after all so many years. Well, it was my pleasure, my pleasure. If you're just tuning in, it's the end of the show, and we've been talking to legendary character actor Jonathan Hayes. And uh, if you've missed any of the Jam Price Show's All About Movies, please go to my website, thejampriceshow.com. And while you're there, you can also check out the Price Movie Minute movie reviews. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. 